Hello, this is Rob, and this is episode 11 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. All right, for this episode, this is definitely the most... I think personal episode I will have recorded up to this point. We're 10 episodes in, which is pretty crazy. And I had really no idea what this podcast would be going into it. Uh, Pre-recorded some episodes. I really enjoyed doing it, so I kept doing it. And then when we launched, the reception to it has been awesome, which makes me want to continue to do it more. And yeah, that's all I can really say at this point, is that even though it's not a huge number of listeners, the engagement and the passion behind the people that are listening is really, really cool and making this all worth it. So seriously, if you're liking what you're hearing, your feedback is greatly appreciated. Uh, but moving forward to this episode, outside of people asking how I started Folly or why I started Folly or Filterical Brewed Coffees and why I did all of that and the how the most common question I then get is like, what is it like owning and running a business? Because I think we're in this weird age in society with social media and Instagram and all these different social media platforms that like the word entrepreneur has become this kind of like really sexy thing that's like, oh, I'm an hashtag entrepreneur. That's really cool. And it's like they only show the sexy side of it and the cool side of it and taking pictures in front of fancy cars. And like I work one hour every 80 days and here's my income. And it's become this whole movement that I'm pretty against that like idea of what entrepreneurship is is. And if you know me, you know, I rarely would refer to myself as an entrepreneur because it has become a different thing than the true definition of the word. But one of the biggest questions I get is, what is it like owning and running a business? Is it is it like you would think? And so today's episode is going to be the good, the bad, and the ugly of owning and running a business. In my case, a couple businesses with Folly Coffee Roasters, which launched in January of 2018. So coming up on two years with that business and uh, Filtera Cold Brewed Coffees, which was September of 2018. Uh, so we're a year and a few months into that one. And so I'm going to start with kind of my perception of why I wanted to start a business, what I thought it would be like, and then going into just at this point, a couple years into it, what it really is like doing both the pros and the cons. So the, my personal choice of going into business has been highlighted in previous episodes, or if you listen to the top three podcast from uh, producer Brent at Cities 97, it really wasn't, it wasn't business first for me. I didn't say, I want to start a business, now I just need to figure out what that business will be. For me, it started from this insane passion of coffee that I, that I found while doing sales for Sam Adams. And so the passion of coffee is what eventually led to me led me to the point where I was like, I can't not get into this. And I left a job that I really liked to start it. But obviously I thought about a lot about, do I want to start a business? Yes, I'm insanely passionate about it. Yes, I'm doing this with all my free time and I just love everything about specialty coffee from top to bottom. But do I still want to take that huge risk of completely uprooting my life, moving, um, uh, quitting a job? And so the factors I considered into that are uh, the biggest one that I thought going into it is this idea of like personal freedom, that if you can start a business, you create your own personal freedom. You get to choose your own schedule. You don't have a boss. You don't have anybody telling you what to do. It's completely up to you. Every morning you wake up and you just decide that's what I'm going to do this day. And it's completely up to you. And uh, 
yeah, I'm going to go more into these later, but right now I'm just going to start with what I thought it would be. You can already tell I'm alluding to this is not what it is. But that idea of personal freedom was very alluring to me. Uh, the idea that you don't have to be in a place. It's not a nine to five. You're not expected to be anywhere even if you don't find yourself being productive and being there. That's that's like the worst feeling, right? Is when you're like at a place or at an event or having to work when you feel like you're not getting anything done and the only reason you're there is because you're expected to be there. And so that's something that even in the job I love, there were times where I'm like, I'm doing this just to check the box. I am not engaged with it. It's not something that I see as productive. I don't personally agree with it, but it's a job requirement, so I have to do it. And I, I've never liked that aspect of a job job. And so that was a, an alluring thing of starting a business to me is that personal freedom. Uh, the other perceptions I have that it's like, hey, if, if I'm doing what I love, it's specialty coffee, and I can, I can make it work, and I can make it so that I'm only doing specialty coffee, that's going to be fun all the time. Like, what's not to love if you're pursuing what you're passionate about? And then uh, based on all the research I did from business books and kind of case studies of other businesses is that it's like, don't expect to make money for two years. But after two years, that's where you, where you should be making money and start to know if that business is going in the right direction or not. And uh, that's not necessarily untrue, but more on that later. And ultimately, I think what led to the decision is I, I had a lot of things line up very favorably for myself in the sense that... At the time, I was single, uh, no kids, not married, no real obligations in the sense that of like uh, kids or family or uh, personal responsibilities. And then, of course, the ability to be able to move back in with my parents was extremely helpful because I was able to move into a situation where my financial responsibilities, my personal responsibilities were very low. And so what I'm talking about today becomes even harder for someone who's in a position that has these responsibilities and that should be taken into consideration uh, when starting your own business. But the perception I had going into it that regardless if this fails or not, so let's say I start all of this and it absolutely fails, at the back of my head I'm thinking, well, I could either go to business school for two years to advance my career and have that on the resume and the learning experience of going to a, a, a accredited university, or I could go start a business and if it fails in two years, as long as I can learn why, I'll probably learn a heck of a lot more. And as long as I can take that as a learning experience, the money lost into doing it in the sweat equity would probably end up being less than business school. So at the end of the day, I did have this thing in the back of my head that, okay, let's say everything sets on fire, nothing works at all, and this idea was stupid in the first place. As long as I can learn along the way of why that's happening, that's better than business school. So going into it, for me, it was the idea of personal freedom. There's no boss, nobody telling me what to do, that you know, in two years I should be making enough money to be able to get by uh, personally, and then if it's, if it's what I love, it's fun all the time, and then experience is like, really almost better than than business school. And so that's that was my perception going into it. So at that point, uh, my lease ended, I pulled the trigger, I moved back to Minnesota with my parents and start Folly Coffee. Now, <laughs> straight away, I learned the hard way that partnerships are very difficult thing to kind of manage. Because when I moved back, I had someone lined up to do the roasting because I was sample roasting but not doing full-scale roasting. And so I had someone lined up, I quit my job, moved back, and that immediately fell apart within about a month of being home. And so right away, first lesson learned that going into it, 
oh, you'll have a partner and everything will always be great because this person seems like the right fit. Within a month, I learned that that's not the case. And so that's kind of uh, something to be very wary of that I will touch on more as we, as I discuss this, but that partnerships are very, very difficult. And as many times as you can read it in a book, as many times as you can hear horror stories, as you can talk to other business owners with partners, as you can read about like the famous like Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniacki at Apple, th- those kind of partnerships. You go, well, it's different because I know this person or it's different because my friend recommended this person. It's totally different. It's not going to be anything like that. I learned that within a month. And so I got really lucky in meeting Ken, but that was first lesson learned very, very quickly. And it quickly set in what I'd actually done because at that point I had quit my job, moved back, and I was working four different jobs living with my parents with absolutely no real plan in place once that fell through. Now, I got very fortunate, not going to get into that, with like meeting Ken and being able to build out the roaster that's in other episodes. You can go find that elsewhere. But that was the first lesson learned right away. And so going into the simple like pros and cons of here being a couple years into it, of what the biggest pros are and what the biggest cons are of owning and running a business. And a lot of these are things I've discussed with other business owners, and they seem to share a lot of the same sentiment. And so the, the biggest pro to me is that at the root of the business, I'm pursuing something I love. And I'm adamant that anyone starting a business, even if it, it has to be something at the root of it you enjoy. Because I don't, I know there are a lot of opportunities out there for just, and like this whole Gary Vee thing of flipping things on eBay and this and that. And it's, it's, it's a good way to make some money, but the more success you find with anything, the more stress it brings on. And so if you're doing something that you, you're doing it just to make money, I think long-term that's not going to be a fantastic mental situation for you. So for me, even during the most stressful times, last week being a great example. So last week, out of nowhere, we had a single day record for roasting and packaging, which was weird because there's nothing special about that week. It's just random big orders all happen to fall on the same day. And then all of a sudden we're going, okay. And we get out to the roaster at like five and we leave around like midnight and we get back. I'm in bed at 1 a.m. and Jeff and I are up somewhere between probably around 6 a.m., 5 or 6 to, to go deliver coffee. So it, it, those days are probably the most stressful. But even on days like that, because it's something I love. I actually, those mornings, I'm already thinking about what coffee am I going to drink the next morning. Uh, at that time, I was still finalizing our holiday blend, and I was really excited because I, I thought I had the last final tweak, and I did. And so even on the worst days of sleep deprivation and packaging for however many hours that ended up being, and having to go deliver to all these places in a like painstakingly long span of 24 hours, I'm still excited about what we're doing. So biggest pro by far that doing what I love, that that is passionate about. But in a close, close second is getting to choose the people you work with for so many reasons. 
Uh, I was very fortunate to to have met Ken. He has been absolutely amazing on the roasting side, and he's been amazing to work with. It's been a great relationship. And then you have Jeff, who was our uh, first hire at Folly, and to be able to see what he's done and be able to spend time with him has not only made me think about coffee in a much different way, but it's also made me think about business in a much different way. That it's always before starting the business, it was a lot about reading these business books and going, what will it take to build a highly successful business from a financial standpoint, from a volume standpoint, from a customer base standpoint? And what I've realized quickly has become one of the most rewarding, if not the most rewarding part of doing business is being able to see people around you also pursuing their passion. And so I've found that for me, it's the people around me that inspire me to want to work harder. And in doing business, you get to choose who those people are. Now, in working or being employed by someone else or uh, having kind of that typical nine to five, I think anybody with a job like that will tell you that the people they work with highly dictate whether they like their job or not. And so you can be in a very, very fortunate situation that you work with only people you love. But you're also put in this awkward position if you work with somebody you don't like or you don't get along with or you don't agree with their ideology, there's not a heck of a lot you can do about it if they're doing their job versus running and owning your own business. These are things you can dictate and influence, whether it's a change in culture or if it's just not a good fit. Now, that hasn't happened to me, so I have no real experience with that outside of just a partnership initially not working, and that was a month in, so there's really nothing at stake. Uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed on this one, but it hasn't come up for me personally. Uh, and I've gotten very lucky in that sense. But you get to choose who you work with. And so you're around people that you want to be around. And that's a really great feeling. And it makes everything easier when you're around people that you want to be with. And kind of going off that idea is another major pro of it is the entire people of this experience. Uh, you get to meet a lot of interesting people because you get to kind of choose who you want to meet, if that makes any sense. Or I should say more because it's your business, you're deciding how to spend your time and where to spend it. And this puts you in front of a, a wide range of pe- wide array, I'm sorry, wide array of people. And that has been one of the coolest, most rewarding aspects is being able to meet other owners of coffee roasters and being able to interact with cafe, restaurant, bar owners, uh, just other small business owners and becoming a part of this Minnesota food and beverage scene. And really the Minnesota small business scene has been one of the most rewarding things overall and seeing what other people are doing. I I thought that in that scene, I would be insanely highly competitive and just you know, just instantly get competitive with anyone who's doing a business at all. And because we started around the same time and what I found is it's the opposite. You're going, everyone can do this and grow. And so I'm just immediately inspired by the people around me that are doing, let's use the word that I don't like, but entrepreneurial endeavors, people that are going out and pursuing passion. I think anyone who has a passion that they're pursuing is instantly has a story and has an interesting story. And there's always a cool thing about them that you want to learn about. And I've always been fascinated by people that have an intense passion or knowledge for something. So people is a huge pro. But I'm but again, that can also apply to a nine to five. So that's not exclusively to running a business. But what is exclusive is 
being able to have the ability to make any decision. Uh, you have complete control over where the business goes. This is both a pro and a con. I'm only speaking to the pro now, though, is that back in the, the days of Sam Adams, being a huge, huge beer nerd, sometimes the beers that I thought were the most interesting were not the most, I don't know, like sustainable economically on the market. And so there's there were certain times for me that I go, how are we not doing this as a company or how are we not doing that? And it would get slightly frustrating when you know that at the end of the day, you have no say in those decisions versus folly. If we want to do a holiday blend, when we decided two weeks ago that we should do a holiday blend as a way to have kind of a fun little holiday gift that people can gift uh, themselves or others, <laughs> literally just decided on the spot. Like, hey, we have some labels. All we need is bags, and we have some really killer coffees on hand that we're not using. And so, like, that's a great example of being able to make a decision. And within three days, we're starting to formulate the blend for it, which turned out awesome if I don't show myself. But the decision-making ability and being able to decide where the business goes makes it so that your business is going in your direction. And I'm of the personality type where I, I like to have full accountability for everything, good or bad. So in a weird way, even if something fails, so let's take, we launched a cold brew bean. We had this amazing bean from Peru. We had this awesome guy I met that makes these cold brew pouches. And I was like, cold brew is absolutely on fire. We should release a 12 ounce cold brew bean. And we did that. We launched it at retail and it absolutely flopped. It's still a favorite online. They're, they're diehard cold brew bean drinkers online. But for whatever reason at retail, it just didn't work. People didn't get it. Didn't know what the pouches were that were attached to every bag. Probably the fact that it was whole bean didn't help. People looking for pre-ground cold brew, but I'm a whole bean guy because the freshness of it. But for a multitude of reasons, it could have failed. But knowing that I was the one that made the decision on it and that it didn't work because of that, in a weird way, even though it sucks that it didn't work, because it was my decision, it still has more meaning to me. And it's more of a life experience versus if someone comes to you and says, hey, you got to go sell this product and you don't believe in it and you sell it and it flops or even the opposite that someone sells, you need to go sell this product and you go, I don't think this is going to work. And then you go out and sell it and it does work. Both situations leave you in like this weird, I don't know why that happened. And I feel like I didn't contribute to that, whether it's good or bad. And so being in, char uh, being in charge of all decisions is something that I highly value and has been a great part of owning a business. And going back to the, uh, the, the preconceived notion that, uh, you know, this could be better than a better experience than going to business school and less expensive, I, I think that has absolutely turned out to be true. Uh, the, the life experiences gained during this whole thing, I don't think are something that could be learned in a classroom. Now, it's, Maybe it's something with an internship or a more hands-on experience that, that could be learned. And there are definite ways of learning like this without having to quit your job and do all of this. But the life experience gained through this entire just ordeal has been invaluable. There are things that I never would have even thought of until we were going. And I always use the exact, like small things like when we launched in Lunds and Byerly's, I wasn't entirely sure how we got paid. And I was too scared to ask. And it wasn't until I dropped off the first case to the first store. And they said, all right, 
you're all checked in. And I left. And then a month later, a check showed up in the mail. And that's how I learned that. <laughs> but small stuff like that. Uh, you learn the complete entirety of business. Not just one major or one focus or a specific niche to fill within that. And the cool thing about that is I think that can be applied to a variety of different roles and jobs if your business doesn't even end up working. So that's why when someone's thinking about it, like if you can find a way to make it work financially, work some jobs or maybe start it as a side hustle, which is its own separate conversation, it is a way to do it. And that to me is the biggest value of a side hustle is that if you're putting enough effort into it, that it's not just something that you have to put on a resume that you do. If you're really investing yourself from sweat equity and emotionally and like it has to be financially that you'll learn more than you could just in a classroom. And then, like I alluded to earlier, the last two, I, oh no, so, so this, this is the biggest one I have as both a pro and a con. It's the most extreme thing going into it that I thought that has both been the most true and the most completely wrong is being in charge of your own schedule. You're like, oh, I don't have a nine to five. I totally run my own schedule. I'm like, I'm totally free. And it's, it's like, it's kind of, but the irony is, is the more successful you get or any amount of success you have, you're instantly going to have more responsibilities. And so in the pro column of being charged of your own schedule is we can decide how our week looks. We can decide when the roasting occurs. We can decide uh, when we're going to package, when we're going to deliver. But you can already see that, okay, well, roasting, packaging, and deliver have to happen. Well, the more we grow roasting, the more we have to package and the more deliveries we have to make. And we're at a breaking point now where something's got to change where we can't deliver and roast and package on one day. We can't package in one day. We can't deliver in one day with just a little bit more growth. And so that's been on my mind a lot. But being able to choose your schedule of when you wake up, what you get done in a day, how you spend your time is a definite pro. And I'm going to leave that for the very end of why that's definitely the biggest con. So let's go into the con side. So just to recap the pros, you're, the thing I love is that I'm I'm pursuing a passion. At the end of the day, I get excited about the coffee I'm going to drink the next morning. I get excited about trying new coffees. I get excited when we bring a new coffee into the rotation. It like adds a new spark to my week and to my month. Like being able to dial in these coffees and taste what we're doing, which is really awesome. Get to choose who I work with, which has been amazing. Uh, I also didn't really allude to, I didn't mention it earlier, but in starting Filterra, that's an example of a partnership that freaking works, man. And the reason it works is not only do Brandon and I get along, but we have absolute opposite interests in terms of business. And so in one thing I learned, and this is a bit of a side note, but I think while it's on my mind, it's worth mentioning, is what I learned from the first partnership that just fell apart completely to the partnership I have with Brandon in starting Filterra and why I think that works is in the first partnership, we had a lot of things that we both considered ourselves to be good at. And that might sound good. It's like, oh, you know, strong marketing, you know, strong opinions about how something should look, how something should sound, what the name should be, how to approach this. But if you have two strong opinions in the room, when they line up, it's awesome because you've got two people insanely passionate about the same idea. 
when you have two people with even just slightly misaligned ideas, it can get, well, what ended up not working out. Let's just put it that way. Whereas with Brandon at Filterra, we have absolutely opposite interests in business. Brandon is an like engineering and logistical wizard. Like he took over two years to formulate cold brew recipes. He has basically bought beer brewing equipment and Frankensteined it out to absolutely no end to make our current cold brew setup. And he is doing things that no one's doing in the industry. And he's completely making it up on his own. And it's creating cold brews that are absolutely insanely delicious. And so his interests are how can he use equipment and come up with new engineering concepts and like really focus on the cold brewing side of the business. And what I love is again, like Folly, I love the coffees we're making. It has been like these cold brews we're producing are absolutely insane. I currently have a kegerator full of the Folly house being on nitro and still, and I've been wired out of my mind since I put it in there seven days ago, which is, I gotta, I gotta calm down on that a little bit, but Tasting what he's doing is awesome. So those passions align for me. Obviously, you want those passions to be the same of both partners. But what doesn't is I love the sales, the marketing, the customer, the customer facing side. And so I want to go out and find people who share the, the, the passion behind the cold brew and want to serve the best cold brew on tap that they can possibly find. And that's what I love. I love going out and finding those people, finding opportunities and going out and getting in front of people and getting new customers and fi- like finding the best ways to get our message out there and that's just not what he that what it's not what he wants to do and so we have a great partnership because anything that is in terms of like branding or say branding not brandon like branding marketing sales anything that falls in that falls in my lap anything that's logistical cold brew operations kegging all of that good stuff really good stuff falls in his lap and we also are very particular that's like even if you do have an opinion about something, so if it's something sales or marketing related, because we've determined those are my roles, obviously I highly value his opinion, but he's also very good at being like, hey, this is you. And then if it's on the cold brew side, I say, this is all you. And that's been a great partnership. So a bit of a side note there on the point of like getting to choose who you work with, but I think that's really important about partnerships. Um, so moving on to cons. So the, the bad and the ugly, if you will. The first one is like, look, I, I, I knew it would be a lot of work to, to start a business. I did not know it would be as much work as it was. Um, the, well, first off, just getting the roastery built, like going into it, I did not anticipate needing to build a roastery. (laughs) But because of Ken's situation of not having a commercial license and needing to do a from scratch build out outside of the roaster itself, that seven month project. So for seven months, I was working four jobs. I was doing strength coaching in the morning at my high school. I was doing bar backing at nights on the weekend. I was driving Lyft after that. I was working as a barista in the morning. And so already working four jobs takes up almost all of your time. And then any time I had outside of that, I was going out to build. So for seven months... I was not even a person. I just accepted that, all right, I'm waking up at 4.45 to barista. 
and I probably won't be home until 10 or 11 tonight after building and did that for seven months. And it's kind of this weird mindset you can get into where it's like you can look at it two ways. You go, one, this sucks. This is a lot of work. I don't want to do it. I want to go hang out with friends. Or you say, hey, this is what I want to do long term. Like, I have goals for this. I want to pursue this long term. And you just have to accept that the short term may be longer than you think. And I had to accept that much more than I thought because seven months of having no life was totally unanticipated. And then once the business got started, really 2018 was like the same. I was working so much to go find customers and dial in roasts and figuring out how to expand in an effective manner and just going out from scratch in a completely uncertain world of will people even like what we're doing and spending all day every day. Still for the first four months of 2018, working three jobs, strength coach job ended at that point, but working three jobs for the first four months of 2018 until we launched in Lunds, and so using all of your free time to get things off the ground. So I, I know people say it, that it's, oh, it's a lot of hard work to start a business, and that's tough. It is not a lot of work. It is, it's your life. To make something really work in a pace that isn't crazy slow, it, it really does have to become your life. And again, this is where I was fortunate with my, my current situation, that I, I don't know kids, no wife, no whatever, that I could just basically check out of my social life. And I even told my friends and family that it's like, hey, if you don't hear from me or you don't see me, even though I'm now home, like, don't, please don't take it personally. Like, this is what's happening. This is what I'm doing. Um, I'm, I'll try to call when I can, but like, this is the reality of it. You probably won't see me for the next year. Uh, and there's a lot of friends that I see less now that I live back in Minnesota than when I lived in Chicago uh, and Southern Illinois and St. Louis. And so I cannot emphasize that enough that if you don't go all in on it, your chance, the chances of success of a new business are already so low that if you aren't insanely focused against it, the, the chances become even smaller. So that's, that's the biggest con of it all is the, the, like I, somebody asked me, would you go back and do it again? Like, I don't know if I could. It was such an insane amount of work that I just, like, it's hard to picture going back and be like, could I do that again? But maybe that's the point of it all, is that, like, maybe for something like this from a scratch build out of a business, that maybe there is only once in your life that you can be like, I'm totally all into this insane, like, like passionate, crazy, singular focus Again, and it's probably not true. I probably would do it again, and I probably could do it again. But gosh, it was a lot of work. Uh, and it's still going. That's the funny thing is two years into it, you'd be like, oh, so you're set now. You're able to move out of the parents' place. Like, you're good now? Like, kind of? Like, I can pay bills, I guess. But <laughs> okay, I'll get more to that later. Anyway, I look like an absolutely crazy person. I'm in my home office facing out towards the window and someone just walked by with their dog and I'm sitting here laughing, talking into a microphone. This is apparently my life. <coughs> anyway, on to the next point. Even if you're doing the thing you're most passionate about, there's always going to be stuff you don't want to do. There's, there's a lot of aspects of any business that aren't sexy. The biggest one for me is like, 
here's the ironic thing is actually packaging. You'd think, oh, packaging coffee, that's got to be brutal. And you go, honestly, I don't mind it very much. You get to hang out with Jeff for hours on end. We just talk about whatever. And we've gotten really good at packaging. And so we're super efficient about it. There's, we could be way more efficient, but especially since we got this automatic machine that weighs uh, the coffee and fills it into the bag before we have to do the rest of the work. Like that's helped a lot, but packaging isn't the worst. It's, it's the, the, the little stuff like accounting and tracking invoices and tracking payments and something I did not anticipate that is extremely stressful and takes up way more time than I'd like it to is customers paying you. Like you would just assume that most people you work with that if you say, Hey, you've got 30 day terms, uh, when the day the coffee is delivered, you have 30 days to pay. You just assume most would pay you on time, and most do, but there's enough that don't that it ends up being a big part because you need that cash to be able to keep the business going, and if people aren't paying you on time, it makes things really, really tight. And so it, I guess what the point I'm making is that even when you're passionate about something, there's always going to be stuff like accounting. There's always going to be the logistical side of thing. There's always going to be hiring or uh, employee management or uh, which can be extremely rewarding. Uh, but also like if you have people that are coming and going, it can make things extremely stressful. Like that's, that's one of the reasons I don't have a cafe is because hiring sounds like an absolute nightmare to me. Um, yeah. So even when you're passionate, there's going to be a lot of stuff that, still aren't fun. And I guess that goes perfectly into the next point that it's like the intense irony of the whole thing is so let's let's take like mid 2018 so I'm 6 months into folly and you're looking at this business and going man if I could just be at this point in a year I'd be be totally stress-free and it would just be like all fun because finally we're at that financially viable point and we're ahead of that point at this year which is extremely exciting and I'm extremely gracious that we're at this point it still blows my mind and I have to take a step back and focus on that sometimes but I was just talking about this with another business owner that something I did not anticipate is that as you grow and as you has more, have more customers, you have more to lose. And that is really hard to explain because people want to go, oh, boo-hoo, you have, you have customers, you have revenue coming in, you have a viable business, but it's very fragile. And so the intense anxiety and stress that causes me is very hard to explain to someone because I want to be totally grateful and appreciative of where we're at, but at the same time, the how fragile things are when you get to a point that you're just financially viable, you're able to pay the bills, you're able to grow, you're able to pay for the coffee that's coming in. At the same time, you're looking at your current customers and who you, who is buying your coffee and whether it's like a cafe or something and you're like, Man, they could just decide just as easily as they decided to sell my coffee, they could decide to sell someone else's. Or if you're looking at like the grocery store side of things, just being like, what if, <laughs> again, this shows you a little bit how my mind works, unfortunately. It's like, what if all these sales we've made in the first two years have been people buying Folly for the first time? And uh, let's say nobody's buying it for a second time. How long would it be until I know for a fact that people are continuing to buy Folly? Now, 
fortunately, I've done enough analysis at a store level to know that these are not all people's first purchases. And we do have returning customers. And especially since Jeff has taken over the coffee program, that's like having his expertise and going, these coffees are absolutely killer. Like what we're doing is good. But that doubt is always there. And as you grow, so do those doubts because you have more to lose. When when you're really small and just starting, you have nothing but upside. You're looking at this like hypothetical thing it could be. And you have, I can't say nothing to lose, but nothing to lose. Because you're, it's such a small book of business at that point that it's all future potential of what it could be. Then when you get to a point that you're sustainable, but still like, still kind of on that cusp, it, it's... It's hard to explain without coming across as not grateful for where you're at. And so that's where I'll leave that point is one. This is one of the hidden things that I did not anticipate because I tried to anticipate everything ahead of time. What, what will I run into? What can I expect? What have other businesses ran into? And something that a lot of people talk about because I think social media is a big part of this is you always want positivity exuding from your business. You want you want people to interact with it on social media and interact with it uh, through your website and videos. You want it to always be positive because that's what I want to spread in the world is positivity and pursue, like pursuing passion. And that's I want other people to be passionate about it. But behind all that is this like stress and anxiety of, holy smokes, this is, it's all real now, which now that it's real, the stress becomes even more real. And there's always like these constant thoughts going around in my head. And I know it's not just me because I've, I've recently talked to other small business owners that feel the exact same way. That's all pretty fragile. And right now I'm going, well, if a year from now we're at this point, I definitely won't feel this anymore. <laughs> and I, I'm starting to think that's probably not true. And this is just something that all business owners have to cope with and learn their own coping mechanisms, which is probably why I work out every day like a lunatic just to keep the demons at bay. <laughs> Good. Sticking along that theme of an absolutely crazy person. Um, I, I talked about this earlier, but yeah, that personal life, first year of starting a business, sorry, smell you later. Like personal life saying like things you're doing for fun, things you're doing socially. Uh, oh man, this concert, that show, I got this person I want to hang out with. I, oh, I can't wait for this. No, nah, it's done. Like just for at least a year, shut it down. And then even after that, the tough part is, let's say even after a year, the business gets to the point that, so like right now the point I'm at is uh, business is more predictable. So on a weekly basis, I, I kind of can guess what my schedule will be. Many days that ends up not being the case, but I can I can schedule things. I've been going to a lot more shows lately, which has been very, very fulfilling for me personally. Just got back into jujitsu, which physically and mentally helps me a bunch. Absolutely love it. But while you're at these things, it's it gets harder and harder to not think about the business and I, I'd like to think I'm getting better at it but the reality of it is is if you're so coffee roaster do keg cold brew anytime I'm out and about hanging out whether it's going to a show whether it's during a jujitsu session or just hanging out with friends the littlest things can kind of trigger these mind spirals like especially with coffee because it's such a ubiquitous thing and just with humans, that's <laughs> you can't go anywhere and not see coffee, and so that that's a weird thing. 
is that even as you can form more of a personal life, it becomes harder to be present in your personal life. And I am definitely not the person to give you advice on that one. Uh, yeah. And I think it's because you you always could be doing something more. The, the thing I miss most about a more steady kind of like nine to five, Sam Adams wasn't nine to five, but like you have your schedule, you have the number of accounts you have to hit is when you're off the clock, you're off the clock. I'm not going to answer your email. I'm not going to answer your call. I'm off the clock. I'm not expected to answer until 9am tomorrow morning. When it's your own business, you always could be doing something more. There's always something you could be doing. There's always uh, somebody you could be reaching out to. There's always some educational things you could be doing. There's absolutely always something how you could be spending your time to further your business. And so this is, I'll save a little bit of this to the end because this is kind of the being in charge of your own schedule thing. But that loom, <laughs> like sense of impending doom of there's always something you could be doing makes it really hard to do other stuff. <laughs> and that's that goes into this next point of lack of stability is everything's uncertain. It's very fragile. It's exciting because there's such an upside to everything that's like, man, if, if we could do this or that, this, you could be here and I bet we could do this and that. And it, like, it, it gets really exciting, that lack of stability because there's a huge upside to it, but also the floor is, is unstable too. So like the ceiling doesn't exist. There's no roof on this house, but which is not a good metaphor. I don't like that metaphor because no roof on a house is a bad thing. I'm going to say we don't know how high this mountain goes, which is a good thing if you enjoy mountain climbing or hiking, which I do. So I'm going to use that one. But at the same time, your footing on what is normally stable during a more stable career or job becomes very, uh, man, this is a terrible metaphor. That just totally sideswiped my brain here. I'm going to go back. The lack of stability is what I'm saying. You get it. On to the next thing. Money. (laughs) Paychecks are dope. Miss those things. Uh, yeah, money is, mm, I don't know if it's the biggest con of it, uh, but it is what you need to keep a business running. It is what you need to be able to buy food and shelter, which are very good things to have in life. Um, the toughest thing here is even when the business gets to the point that you're profitable, even better, you're cash flow positive. There's never a time where investing that money back into the business is not a good idea. And so that becomes an interesting dilemma to be in because I have this running list of things that I would like Folly to be doing, I would like Phil to be doing, but also we need that money to pay for that food, to pay for that shelter. And that's right in the middle of where we're at, that as you grow, there's going to be a breaking point where if you're growing at a steady enough pace, your growth will out, your growth will outpace your incoming revenue stream. And that's what cash flow is. And to be entirely honest here, I did not completely understand the difference between profitability and cash flow. Um, I'm not sure that I'm even the best person to talk to it about now, but you can be profitable. You can be selling a product and be making a profit on each of those products. But let's say you have 30-day terms with your customers. They have 30 days to pay you. So I sell you the product. 
you're profitable on that product, but they have 30 days to pay you on that profitable product. Well, if I'm growing, then the bill I have in 15 days is going to be bigger than the bill 30 days prior to that. So I sell you the product, you have 30 days to pay me, but now I have to pay this bigger bill in 15 days. And so all of a sudden I'm cash flow negative because this bill I have now is bigger than what it was a month ago, but that bigger check I'm going to get doesn't come for another 15 days. So cash flow becomes a difficult thing to deal with. And then even when you're cash flow positive, it's like it's difficult for me to want to pay myself or pay myself more if there's an opportunity to make uh, invest back into the business. And so that's definitely something to consider is knowing what you need to get by, how you're going to get by, and what goes back into the business versus what's get, what gets paid out to yourself, to your employees, to your partners, and when that happens. Because that easily can become the biggest stressor in a business if you do not have these things clearly lined out for yourself. If you have uh, you know, a family, make sure that that's taken care of, obviously, which is... I can't even imagine the stress when you hear that. Shout out to anybody starting a business in that world. That's insane. Like making me look like I'm just like doing the tame route over here. Um, yeah. So I guess the, the last point I'll make is the, the being in charge of your schedule. It is one of the bigger co- the pros that it's, it's kind of nice to not have to be expected to be somewhere. Uh, it's not 3 p.m. on a Friday and I have no work to do and I still have to sit there for two hours because someone's watching. Like I don't run into that dilemma. But on the other side, because you're in charge of your own schedule, you have to hold yourself completely 100% accountable for everything. And this was hard to learn because you kind of want to do the thing where you're like, oh, I could just kind of wake up whenever and this and that. And what I learned quickly is that my schedule now is I'm up at, on, on days I'm working, I'm up at 5.45. Well, let's be honest, it's most days at this point. I'm up at 5.45 because I learned that those three hours before 9 a.m. are the most important in a day because others aren't emailing me, because others don't expect me to respond to emails. So I have to find time in the day where others are not up or others are not doing anything to get the most stuff done on a personal and business level. Because if I can take that time to do that, then when nine o'clock hits, something's gonna happen. Like unexpected delivery, unexpected coffee outage, unexpected this or that. And the days become very unpredictable. And in that sense, you're not in charge of your own schedule. So despite the fact that I'm the one making the decision to do everything we do, it's not you that's in charge of your schedule. It's it's kind of your customers. It's kind of a little bit of everything. It's what needs to get done that day. There's nobody else to do that. And I know some people will be like, well, just, well, the stuff you don't like, just hire somebody to do it. <laughs> Which is like... <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I'll just, I'll just go to this, my money bag that I had over here to pay someone to go do these things. It's like, it's, I know maybe there's some people that go, well, that's what you should do. You should get funding and go out and cover all these things. So you can, which, there's some validity to that and growing a business. But uh, you're not really in charge of your schedule. And the absolute reality of it is any business owner I've met that, has a successful business, is working a lot more than your typical 
employee on a 40 hour work week. And there, there are a lot of concepts out there. I think the most notable would be like Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. But the irony of it is, is if you're at all familiar with Tim Ferriss, it's like he uses his own four hour work week methodology and probably works more than anyone out there. And that's why he's so successful is that's really more about efficiency than the sense it's total side note too. someone who reads that book because they're like, I want to work four hours a week. It won't work for them. Someone who reads that book, that's an extremely hard worker can apply those principles to get more work done in a week. It's kind of a side tip, but that's, that's where I'll end this episode because that's all the notes I have in front of me. Um, Overall, for me at this point, a couple years, and the, the pros far outweigh the cons. I guess the reason the, the, the cons or the bad and the ugly took up a bigger part of this, this episode is because a lot of them were unexpected. Like the pros, like the, the, the things that are good about the business are, are what I wanted to do going into it. And so most of those are expected. You kind of know what's good. The biggest one that was completely unexpected that has been the most rewarding is being able to see other people grow around you. Being able to see what Brandon is doing at Filterra on the brewing side and the insane things he's doing with equipment that nobody intended it for it to be used that way or at least very few people are using it that way and seeing him push what we're doing in a logistical and engineering and cold brewing side and seeing Jeff go from meeting him in April and really a very small professional coffee background slinging drinks at a, at a what was it it was literally called like mudslingers uh only previous coffee experience to being 14th in the country coffee tasters a certified Q grader and like becoming a legitimate like in like in like coffee professional like it's it's at that point he's a total coffee pro it's it's undeniable and being able to see these things is the most rewarding for me um more so than even just the excitement I have that I'm doing what I love. And I, I think that's the, the businesses that people want to work for, I think, are the ones that there's a genuine care of how everyone is treated and how business is done. And in today's world of the internet and the insane amount of options for everything, people can do their research and they want to buy things from companies doing it that way. I know I do personally that it's never just is the product good for most decisions, especially on the food and beverage side, especially on food and beverage. It's very rarely just, is it good? There's more that goes into every decision than just that. Um, Yeah. So seriously, any questions you may have, Hit me up on the Instagram. I run the Folly Coffee Instagram. I run the Filterico, which is P-H-I-L-T-E-R-A. I run the Filtera Instagram. Seriously, shoot me a message on those. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Shoot me an email through the Folly Coffee or Filtera website. Um, I love to field questions about this stuff because there is a lot of, there's probably a lot I didn't even touch on and that I'd love to discuss with anyone who either runs a business and if you have any tips, if you have any tips on the stuff you're hearing me, it's like, oh my God, I used to do that and now I don't because I found this. Hit me up, especially for those because that's what I'm looking for. Uh, but if you have any questions about what it's been like at this point, feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to answer those questions. And then like the classic podcast thing, I guess, rate, view, subscribe, share with your friends. Um, I don't know what this will be, but so far it's been an awesome experience. And so like I've been ending the other episodes, I'll just say have a great day.